A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 107 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Click and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another really, really fun episode in store today with not one, but two phenomenal guests. And with me, as always, my phenomenal 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Uh, you always make me feel so good before we start. It's a great way to start a pod. It's always a great intro, but I'm good. I am excited. It's less than a week before baseball starts. Well, we've had spring training, but the regular season, the fantasy season is about ready to kick off, and it's going to be great. And I feel like there's so many last-minute things to do still, but the season's here. Better get going strong. Set your lineups. Do your fab because it's here, baby. Yes, and as we're recording, it is currently right around 9 o'clock Eastern time fabs right around the corner, another hour. So it's fun to do fab again. It's fun to set lineups again. You know, drafts are, I'm, I don't think I have any more drafts coming up. I might sneak in one more, but I'm pretty much done, but I'm just ready for the regular season, which will be in three days. As you're listening to this episode on Monday, the fourth, I took off Thursday and Friday from work. So I can just watch baseball all day, or at least from, from noon on from whenever the first or one o'clock, whenever the first game of each day starts. But yeah, I am so happy to have baseball back. And like I said, we have a really fun episode in store for you all today. We have two guests. Uh, the second guest who we will be bringing on after the break for the Dynasty Bold Predictions part of this show is Mr. Chris Welsh. We'll bring him on a little later. But first, for this first half of the show, for the Prospect Bold Predictions, we have a guy that's been on this podcast before, a guy that you if you follow Prospects, you know the name, Mr. Michael Richards. He is a prospect writer for us here at Fantrax HQ and also the Mariners correspondent for Prospects 1500. Michael, thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing? Doing good, Eric and Chris. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate the invite and uh, I love your guys' show. It's still my favorite show on uh, 
in the baseball world, and I'm always glad to be part of it. Uh, thanks, man. Really appreciate that. We'll always love having you on. You've been doing great work on both on, on Twitter with your tweets and all the prospect work you've been doing, both for Fantrax and elsewhere, Prospect 1500. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of good stuff here, so we figured no, you'd be a great guest to have on for this Prospects Bowl prediction. You know, it's the last episode we have before the regular season starts, so I think we have some fun with it, do some bowl predictions. We already recorded, actually, with Mr. Chris Welsh earlier, which I said you'll hear him after the break. That was a lot of fun. And this will be a lot of fun as well. But before we get into that, the usual housekeeping here, you can find us all on Twitter. Michael is at MPRichards1981. Chris is at RotoCleg. I am at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both Chris and I. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our 2022 draft kit. If you still got a couple of leagues left to draft, go check that out. And I also want to give a quick shout-out to our newest fantasy baseball podcast. We actually have two. I'll give a quick shout-out to the guys over at SP Streamer for their new Dynasty podcast there with Peyton Skinner and Drew Wheeler. Check that out. A lot of great stuff there. And the other one I want to give a shout out to is our newest new podcast here on Fantrax HQ, MLB Injury Insight with Nick Savali. That is the brother of Major League Pitcher for the Cleveland Guardians. Aaron Savali, Nick is one of the smartest minds around and is an actual doctor. So he can provide that insight and how these injuries will affect your fantasy team. So he said a few episodes already, a lot of good names talked about, Acuna, DeGrom, Many, many more. So go check that out. MLB Injury Insight. But let's get right into it here. We will be giving you three prospect bold predictions each. We'll let our guest hit lead off here. Mr. Richards, what is your first prospect bold prediction? Okay, my first uh, bold prediction, you know, I, I follow social media quite a bit, and there's a lot of people who talk about prospects on a daily basis, but a name that I don't see enough of is Johan Rojas. For the Phillies, uh, this is a guy with an above average hit tool, uh, plus raw power and uh, double plus speed. And basically, he hasn't really tapped into the power statistically yet, but the steals are there. Uh, he actually might have a better hit tool than the above average that's listed. Uh, overall, this is basically a player that I see uh, breaking out this year um, and I'm not sure why he's not talking about a lot, maybe because he's an outfielder, he's on the Phillies, the Phillies system isn't great. But uh, the skill set and everything combined in his age, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that Johan Rojas is a top 25 prospect a year from now. Ooh, I like it. I was about to ask you, like, where where do you have him following by the time next year? I like that. Yeah, Rojas, yeah, that Philly system, it's not, it's not great. Like, he's probably a... Definite bottom 10. I don't know about bottom five. I'd have to think about it, but it's, it's definitely in that discussion. But there are a few really good pieces there, some really exciting young pieces, which I might actually be talking about one of them later on with one of mine. Little uh, spoiler alert there. But yeah, Rojas is definitely one of the more exciting ones in that system. So I love that. He's definitely a name to grab now before his stock just absolutely skyrockets this year with those tools that you mentioned. So love that pick. Mr. Clegg, what's your first one here? All right. So. I'm going first that Miguel Vargas graduates this year and he contributes to the major league level, but it's the fact that he graduates a top 10 prospect. He's another one that doesn't get any love at all. The contact skills have always been high end. He's always hit for a high batting average and we've waited on the power 
And that finally came around this year or last year. That is sorry. Get my years mixed up. The year's just flying by and we're almost in the 2022 season, but <laughs> yes, Vargas, he did. He checks all the boxes of everything that you want to see. And he's a player that, you know, everyone thinks he's blocked in the Dodgers org. And you look in the Dodgers typically, you know, just go out and buy players as opposed to just letting their prospects come up. But I think this is a different example here with Vargas. Their director of player development said he was one of the best prospects he's ever seen, and that's pretty high praise when you're talking about the Dodgers system where they have just a ton, a ton of high-end prospects constantly. Their farm system is always loaded. And you're looking at a guy who has a career 316 batting average in in 1,330 plate appearances in the minors. So he's always hit for average. Last year, he hit 319 between high A and double A. And while he's young, yeah, he just turned 22, but he played all last year at 21 years old. Everybody waited for the power, like I said, and it came. He had 23 home runs last year. The contact skills are very high end. So you're looking at a player that's, I don't think is going to struggle when he debuts. And I think he's the heir apparent to Justin Turner at third base. And I think that he plays third base this year because Justin Turner has a vesting option with the club that I don't think the Dodgers want to pay next year. So I think you're going to see Vargas get some reps at third. I think JT's going to be in and out of the lineup. He always gets hurt. Vargas is ready. He's going to get some reps in AAA to start the year, but I don't see why he's not up pretty soon. And you're looking, like I said, at a high floor player, but also has a high ceiling. I think we see him really take off this year. I mean, he had an absolute bomb in spring training. Like, that thing flew a mile. But I don't see why he doesn't fly up rankings. I need to boost him up in my rankings because I think a lot of him. But I think he graduates as a top 10 prospect and makes a contribution at the major league level this year and a good contribution at that. Miguel Vargas. Man, I, I couldn't agree more. And I made that, that tweet the other day that I moved him up to 24th in my rankings from I think it was 39 or 40 because I was looking at my rankings and people ask like, well, he hasn't been any games played. How do you keep making changes? But I was kind of looking at my rankings where I got Josh Young ranked at the time was 25th. And yeah, that, that was bumped down a little bit because of the injury. But I was just thinking about Young versus uh, Vargas long term. And I was like, all right. I think they're similar bats. I think, you know, we combine like, you know, the, the hit tool and the power. I think it's actually very close. And I think Vargas can also add a little bit of speed. So I'm like, why do I have Vargas I have 15 or so spots below Josh Young? So I, I made the adjustment there, moved him up inside my top 25. So love that as well. And this will be the second time on this show. Well, actually the first, but since we recorded with Welsh first, Chris and I aligned on back-to-back predictions being from the same team in Los Angeles. So I'll do it again here with the prospects here. Another foreshadowing because we already recorded with Welsh, but that's the second half of the show. So I will stay with the Dodgers and go. Andy Pajes is a top 20 prospect by the end of the season. He's another one where he's starting to get some love now, but still undervalued, I think, just because he's not the biggest name in the system. But I think he could be very, very soon. You look at what he did last year. He spent the entire year in high A Great Lakes as a 20-year-old. Slash 265, 394, 539, 25 doubles, 31 home runs, 6 steals in 538 plate appearances. Walked 77 times in 120 games, which equates to a 14.3% walk rate. And kept the K rate in check. It was 24.5%, and that's not too bad. 
Uh, the contact rate was right around 70%, so it's not great, obviously. Not terrible either, though. That's okay. I think he definitely can improve. He's already improved from where he was in 2018. I only hit 229 there back in rookie ball. But look at all three years of his professional career in the Dodgers organization where it was, he was at, you know, on rookie ball in 2018, again in 2019 in the, in the Pioneer League at the time, and then this past year in high A, 390 OBP or higher every time. 392, 398, 394. Average jumped up to 298 in 2019, 265 in 2021. While I don't think he's much more than a 50-grade hit tool guy, so probably a guy, you know, 260, 270. But the the quality of contact with Andy Pajes is just so good where I think he can run higher BABIPs just because of how hard he hits the ball. And he's shown the ability to run a little bit. He's never been overly efficient on the base pass. Like, for instance, this past year, he was 6 of 9, which is obviously a 66.7%. That was his best single-season mark. He was 10 of 17 in 2018 and 7 of 13 in 2019, but he's at least shown the desire to run a little bit. Maybe he's only like a 5-6 steal guy moving forward, but it's enough to add that little extra to the profile. But the power is the real carrying tool here, obviously. I said 31 home runs in 120 games last year, had 19 in 63 games in 2019. So you combine that, that's 50 in 183 games and 817 plate appearances. So the power, I think, is double plus raw. I think he's going to be a plus in-game, plus or better in-game power guy. He had a 274 ISO this past year, 353 in 2019, while being very young for the level. Although he's been, you know, he's only 18 in the Pioneer League back then. He was 20 in high A this past year. So he'll probably get the double A this year. And then now that he's going to be in the upper minors, if he puts it together another season like he did, the, you know, this year with a 260, 270 average, OBP pushing 400. 30 plus bombs over a full season in you know the higher levels of the minor leagues. I think finally he'll get even more love and is really skyrocket up where long term I think he's 260 35 homer throw at least 30 plus homer bat with a handful of steals. Maybe he's like a, a Fran Mill Reyes type of profile uh long term. I think that could be a possibility, but yeah, you know, the fact that he's gonna be in the upper minors this year, another good season. I think you can see him really skyrocket and be a top 25, top 20 type of prospect by this time next year. Love Andy Pajes. Go and get him in Dynasty Leagues. All right, Michael, who's your second prediction here? So my second prediction, I, I thought a little bit about you guys and just knowing your guys' uh, track record and things that you've talked about. So this this is more for your uh, listeners, I guess. But uh, my prediction is that Taj Bradley from the Rays is the number one pitching prospect a year from now, surpassing, surpassing Daniel Espino Ooh. and Yuri Perez who I love both of them. Um, Bradley basically caught my eye last year, just covering the the season as it unfolded. Uh, as the season went on, he got better and better. Uh, at, from May 25th through August 6th, he had a 076 ERA and 071 whip, with 70 strikeouts and 59 innings. And this is a player who's a, kind of a, a athletic guy. He's uh, late to the game a little bit. So, there's a lot to of upside here. The Rays are really good at developing pitching prospects. And uh, I mentioned this to Chris before, but last season, uh, Shane Baz was in this similar range in the back end of the top 100. And then he's been elevated to the top guy. So I'm just, I'm taking a similar approach, same organization, same age. Uh, if he adds 
I think the missing element here is he needs to add some quality to his changeup or curveball, but I think both of those things are going to come. So he's a four-pitch pitcher. He's got one of the hardest sliders in the minors as well, and his fastballs in the mid to upper 90s. Uh, there's a lot to like here. I think I think the main thing I want to get across is how much I like Taj Bradley. Uh, do I actually think he's going to be better than Espino and Yuri Perez? It's under 50% in reality, but that's my bold take that he's number one a year from now. Yeah, man, that's what the show is all about. Bold predictions. I like it. I, I, I tweeted the other day, uh, I'd give my top 10 arms that I think have the highest chance of being the number one pitching prospect a year from now. That's, you know, that's, that's assuming, obviously, that Boz, G-Rod, Max Meyer, Kirby, Joe Ryan, et cetera, et cetera, all those guys graduate, which I think most of them will. Maybe all of them will. And I think I'm trying to pull up the list here. Oh, yeah. I had Bradley as the sixth highest uh, percent chance of being the number one pitching prospect this uh, one year from today. Obviously, Espino was my number one. Lighter, my number two. Yuri Perez was three. Bobby Miller's four. And a guy I'm actually going to talk about in a little bit was number five. So I'm not going to give that away, though people might know who that is just by knowing me. But yeah, Bradley was sixth, right ahead of Brendan Williamson, Kyle Harrison, D.L. Hall, and Jackson Job. So absolutely love Taj Bradley. Talked about him a lot. So love that pick there. Chris, who's your second prediction? All right. So I'm going to go that Ezekiel Tovar's a top 50 prospect. You know, I've been up and down on him. I was up on him, you know, last season, and then we saw him in the AFL, and I didn't think he looked that impressive. So I kind of began to fade him a little bit. But I just keep going back and reviewing the profile, and it's just really good across the board. His contact skills are elite. So he had an 87.2% contact rate in low A last year. In high A, it was 85.8%. Spring training, while just... 20 plate appearances so far, a 95% contact rate. Really, really good. He's had a great spring training, by the way. But he strikes me as a slap hitter. You see him just look like a slap hitter a lot of times, but then he just rips off these bombs where he's putting up 110-plus mile-an-hour exit velocities. We saw him do it in the AFL. He hit 110.2, I think, there. Spring training, he had 110.4. And, you know, Eno Sears has always said that when a player eclipses that 110 mark, it's a it's, it's basically like a huge boost for their their value and their long-term sustainability. Now, the fact that we've seen Tovar do it a couple times in limited sample with StatCast for what it's worth speaks pretty good volume to me. Now, Tovar's 20 years old. He was performing well in spring training. He was optioned down, no surprise. But I really think that he will be one that has a really good year again. And I think we could see him just continue to move up ranks where yes, he did kind of tail off a little bit last year in high. He was really good in low a hit three Oh nine had 11 home runs, 21 stolen bases as well. And when he went to high a two thirty nine, but the, I mentioned the contact rate was still there. He had a 85.8% contact rate. What was the problem? He had a two fifty two Babbitt and a player that runs as fast as Tovar should not run a bad if that low. So there was some bad luck in the profile overall. Just four home runs, but again, it was 143 plate appearances. I don't know what kind of power he settles into. He did hit three home runs this spring and 20 plate appearances, which is pretty dang good. I think he could get to 15 or 20 home runs. I think he's going to chip in some steals. And he's going to hit for solid average. So Tovar's one that's going to bump up ranking significantly. Maybe top 50 is not even bold enough, but I'll say top 50 prospect this time next year. All right, I like that one, Chris. Yeah, we saw Tovar out in Arizona. 
definitely has the upside. So that is one. I'm not sure I'll go top 50, but I think definitely could be a top 100 guy for sure. But top 50 is bold, and that's what the show is all about. So like that, I'm going to go to the Cubs system here. And honestly, this system is so freaking fun that I could have gone like 14 different ways with this. But the player I ended up settling on, Kevin Alcantara, I think he's going to be a top 10 dynasty prospect this time next year. Again, this is bold. It's probably a bit high. More realistic is probably like top 30 or something like that. But he's got just that massive, massive power. Good speed as well for a big guy. 6'6". Listen at 190. I think he's more just by looking at him. I'm just totally guessing. No confirmation on this whatsoever. But I think he's more like 200, 205 at this point in time. But the power is, I think this could be a 70-grade power guy that still is a, at least a 50-grade runner long-term, even if he adds, continues to add more bulk. I don't think he's a big guy that bulks up to like 230, 240, anything like that. Maybe he gets up 215, 220, but... I think he's going to be a, it's one of those really strong, really athletic corner outfield types that could put up 30-plus home runs while adding double-digit steals, at least early on. Obviously, that's going to be a great home ballpark for him, assuming he makes it up and is still with the Cubs. Maybe they trade him away. They have so many young, talented pieces in the system they've acquired over the last, you know, even just the last year from all the trades they made last year, uh, mid-season, you know, with the Yankees, with the, with the Giants, etc. So, so many ways they could go. And obviously, who knows how the progression of the all these prospects will go. They're so they're still two, three, or more years away. But Alcantara is or excuse me, Alcantara is just one of those guys that they're like I said 30 plus home runs, 10 plus deals. But the X factor is gonna be that hit tool. And again, he's a guy that was right around 70% contact rate last year in the minors, it's like a tick under 69.5, I think it was. So he'll have to improve that, but he's already shown a good solid eye at the play he's walked at a decent clip as a young player which i like to see but if he can you know get the swing and miss down a little bit put the ball in play get that contact even up at 75 percent, i think he'll be a guy that could hit 262 70 30 plus home runs 10 plus steals so he already has started to show all all of those skills uh, in small sample size like last year 34 games between uh, the florida complex level and the arizona complex level between the yankees and cubs system most of that over within the Cubs system. Combined to hit 345, 423, 588, five home runs, five steals. Also had four doubles and five triples as well. So already flashing all of that tantalizing upside. And obviously, so many years away, he's still only, I think he just turned. Okay, so he's, he'll be 19 for the first half of this year. So very young, but very talented. Cubs have a pretty good track record over the last five to 10 years of developing, especially offensive, especially offensive prospects. So love the system he's in, love the potential future home ballpark. I think that could be a, on paper, everything breaks right with the system. They get a couple of these guys to reach their ceilings or at least close to it, whether it's Triantos or Kevin O'Connor or Christian Hernandez, whoever it may be, this could be a really good lineup. They still have the money to spend. So mix in some free agents. This could be a dynamite lineup once again within the next four or five years. And he could be right in the middle of it. So I'll say top 25 for, or no, not sorry, top 10, for my bold prediction for Kevin Alcantara. And I could say that same thing about Christian Hernandez as well. I almost did, or even Triantos could, could get up that high too. A lot of fun prospects in this cup system for sure. All right, Michael, what is your third prospect bold prediction? 
So I saved uh, my most old one for last, I think. Uh, another guy that I know Eric is in love with uh, is Noelle Marte. So my prediction is a year from now, Harry Ford will surpass Noelle Marte on prospect lists. Okay. Um, I, I love both players, obviously, uh, but I think Harry Ford is ultimately going to be one of those um, rare power speed guys. And I don't think he's going to stay at catcher long term. So I think that's going to speed up his his path to the to path to the majors. But I do think he'll be good enough to maintain some sort of catcher eligibility early in his career. So it could be like a, a Dalton Varsho type situation with more power and more speed. Um, expecting him to play second or third base or outfield eventually. Um, but he he performed. Uh, when he came up, I, I liked him all the way back when I was watching film with him in high school. And uh, basically, it's it's the it's the it's the combination of things. It's the power. It's the it's. I think his hit tool is underrated. I think he does have plus speed. I think his power might be underrated. So like this is a rare combination of things coming together. And with the Mariners showing the ability to draft and develop prospects in recent years. I just love Harry Ford, and uh, I think I think he's a he's a legit top prospect, and it's only a matter of time. I'm seeing a five category player in in the future. Yeah, man. Obviously, I love Novi Marte. I always have, but I love Harry Ford too. So I can see that, man. I told again, you know, Chris and I have both talked about Harry Ford on this podcast glowingly, and everything you you hear about Harry Ford is just absolutely. Just, Another just glowing, like Jerry Depoto said he could be plus hit, double plus power, double, you know, plus speed. Obviously, he has to say that about his own players. Obviously, he's not gonna be like, oh yeah, you know, he's only gonna be like 40 hit. Obviously, they're not gonna say that, but you, everything you hear is just so damn impressive on him. And yeah, he could be he look, he could be plus hit, plus power, plus speed. I could I could easily see that. So love that. Harry Ford is definitely a name on the rise. Like if you don't have any Harry Ford shares in your dynasty, whether you play in one dynasty league or 10 dynasty leagues. You're going to have some serious FOMO if you don't have Harry Ford in at least one league. I'm telling you that right now. All right, Mr. Clegg, what's your next? What's your last one here? All right, I'm going to say that Trey Sweeney is a top 25 prospect. I just think that Sweeney's just been consistently underrated across most prospect circles. Now, I'll give credit because Mason McRae has been pumping him for years. And this is from Mason. He tweeted this. Trey Sweeney's 20... 21 amateur data compared to fellow draftees in last year's class 99th percentile contact rate 99th percentile swing decision rate 93rd percentile sweet spot 96th percentile max exit velo and 98th percentile quality of contact so that was among all draftees last year sweeney didn't have the most impressive debut last year he went to low a he played a little bit in rookie ball just three games and he he jumped to uh, low a tampa where he hit uh, four home or sorry six home runs, he stole three bags slash two forty five, three fifty seven, five eighteen. So not the most impressive stat line by any means, but he did make solid contact. He did hit the ball hard, and he flashed those moments where there was a lot of brilliance here. Sweeney can play multiple spots, which is also a good thing for his value. You know, he can play some infield, he can play some outfield. I don't know where he ends up long term. Honestly, I'm not sure where the Yankees really see and value him. So that'll be interesting to follow as well. 
But I just think that he stays consistently underrated. I think we see him take off this year. I think he's gonna he's could be a 300 hitter for hits for power and has some speed as well. So you know maybe not like a Nick York rise, but I think he could push close to it. I don't see why he couldn't. I don't think the contact skills are quite as good as Nick York's, but I do think that he's going to be a solid hitter, and we really see him jump up rankings. So Trey Sweeney for the Yankees takes a big step forward next this year and becomes a top 25 prospect. I like it, man. The Yankees have had a, every year they have a big breakout prospect. So obviously last year was Anthony Volpe. I don't, that'd be hard to replicate the skyrocket, you know, the the rise that. Volpe had, but yeah, Sweeney definitely is a very talented bat for sure. And the guy that, you know, obviously everyone's FYPDs are probably wrapped up at this point, for, at least for the, this year with this draft class. But yeah, he was definitely one that was a, a good value. If you could get him outside the top 10, which you could in most your FYPDs, that was a good value. The, the bat is very talented. And I think he's got a little underrated just because, even though he went to the Yankees, which is kind of funny, that a Yankees prospect can be underrated, but just because he wasn't, you know, the big school guy, you know. So I uh, definitely like Trey Sweeney a lot. I will round out the prospect part of this show here. I'll go Mick Abel. So he was that guy that I alluded to on that list I was mentioning earlier. That was my number five guy that could be, you know, the top pitching prospect in baseball. So my actual prediction here, I'll say that Mick Abel is a top three prospect, a pitching prospect, excuse me, and top 20 overall by the end of the season. And if you're wondering who would be the top two, I'm sure somebody out there is. I'll say that's because Daniel Espino is one and Jack Leiter is two, who are the top two on that list I mentioned earlier. So Mick Abel at number three for pitching prospects. You know, the the debut for Mick Abel last year was, you know, decent, but I think people were expecting more with how highly this guy was getting, you know, hyped up after the draft in 2020, where he's the 15th overall pick to the Phillies. So in low A, Clearwater, he had a 4.43 ERA, and a 121 whip, but the walk rate was a bit high. It was a 13%, but was still striking out a lot of guys as well. He still had 66 strikeouts in just 44 and two-thirds innings. Overall, 34.9% strikeout rate. Again, that walk rate ballooned. It was actually 14.3%. I'm sorry. I misspoke earlier. So that's a guy that's I think a lot of people pumped up as being very advanced for his age, which I think he's still, you still can say that about him. He's shown good field, good command right now. Maybe he's a little more, you know, a little higher in the command side than the control side. Definitely have to get that walk right down, but he's still only 19 years. Actually, he's 20 now, but he was 19 all of last year. He'll be 20 all of this year. Most likely I'm assuming in high A as he spent the entire year last year in low A 14 starts. So probably get the bump to high A, maybe get the double A later in the year. Maybe I get some live looks at him. Uh, if Redding comes to up here to Portland or to New Hampshire, I have to look at the schedule. But he is just one of the as one of the highest upsides in the minor leagues. He's got the easy plus to double plus fastball, three really good secondaries: curveball, slider, changeup. I think all three are above average or better pitches down the road. I think the curveball might be the best. That could be a seventy grade curveball when all is said and done. So he already showed, even though the walk rate was obviously much higher than we all expected he was still striking out close to 35% of the batters. So he starts pounding the strike zone a bit more, you know, continuing to improve the command, the control. You can see that right. Even tick up. That might be crazy to say it's already pretty high, but 
this could be a guy that's pushing like 40% K rates in the, in the minor league settles in as a easy 30 to 35% K rate guy in the major leagues. Like I've said, I've comped him when I hate comps. Everyone knows that to Steven Strasburg. As I saw you know, a lot of similarities back in the day with Strasburg and the big fastball, all the dynamic secondary offerings. Again, let's just hope that the, maybe the talent gets there, but maybe not the durability. <laughs> Obviously let's have a little bit better durability from Mick Abel than Strasburg has shown over his career. But I think he's a very special talent. I, I wanted to say number one just to be bold, but I, I can't go put him over Daniel Espino. I think it's I'd say it's almost a near lock. Espino is number one pitching prospect this time a year from now. I just think Espino is that good. Uh, and re- for something on Espino, go out and check. There was a Baseball America piece a few days ago where they were talking with people in in the baseball industry, you know, scouts and front office people, etc. Somebody was saying like oh, he's out here throwing a hundred with a Jacob Degrom slider and then a you know a plus curveball as well. Like that's some very high praise for Espino. Not to get off topic here, but. So, yeah, so I would say Mick Abel, top three pitching prospect in baseball by the end of the 2022 season. That's going to wrap up the prospect side of this show. Michael, thanks for coming on, buddy. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Eric and Chris. Always appreciate it. I'm happy to come on anytime you guys need me. Uh, I love following your show and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Right, right back at you, buddy. Keep up the great work. We will go ahead and take a quick break, come back on the other side, and bring on Mr. Chris Welsh for some Dynasty Bowl predictions. So don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. All right, welcome back from the break. We get over to the dynasty side of things now with another great guest. You can find his beautiful, sultry voice on the <laughs> In This League podcast, Prospect One, and over at Fantasy Pros as well. Great friend of the show, great friend of all. Chris Welsh, buddy, how's it going? I'm doing good. My my plan is slowly in place. So next year, I'm going to ask to be third chair on Toolshed, and then I'm going to work my way into Sleeper in the Butt. What I'm trying to do is I'm slowly trying to inset myself into all shows so eventually I have to win the podcast baseball tournament uh, at some point because I will just be on all the shows. Uh, my shows have finished top four two straight years, prospect one two years ago and in this league, but apparently I need to just get into more shows. So Eric, if you guys are looking for a third chair, just letting you know, I'll be looking in the next 12 months. <laughs> You're just going to take over the podcasting world. I'm trying. I'm trying to do something. That's, to do your something. Long, that's your long-term goal, just take over the baseball podcasting world. It's a long con. That's the long con. That's exactly right. Hey, if anybody can do it, you can, man. I- I'll try. I'll try. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So we're going to each give a few bold predictions here on the dynasty side of things, and we'll give it to off to our guest first. Chris, what you got? 
Oh, bold predict. Oh, you fickle bold predictions. I always struggle with these ones because there's so many names. There's so many, so many to choose from, especially in Dynasty as well. When you're looking at prospects versus the pseudo prospects, and you know, fair game in Dynasty. I think you could even have like the post hype sleepers. They don't have to be young, even though you know we primarily like to talk about prospects. So I think I find it very difficult. So when you really hone in a guy, I think it it holds weight to our feelings about them. So hopefully everybody, um, you know, kind of can follow along with that, but also just a little tidbit, like, eh, don't hold our feet to the fire. When we start saying, we start getting crazy here shortly. Uh, <laughs> my first bold prediction is a guy that lost prospect eligibility last year coming into the season. I said that I thought he was the top pitching prospect in baseball at that time. It actually looked pretty good at that moment because he wasn't, kind of viewed in that top two or three and then he kind of vaulted himself in and he and Alec Manoa at the same time came up and I think we're going to get some big movement so my bold prediction for this year is for Logan Gilbert with the Seattle Mariners and that Logan Gilbert now if I want to get really bold here's my semi-bold prediction my semi-bold prediction is Logan Gilbert becomes a top 75 overall dynasty pro, uh, dynasty value, um, dynasty ranked player. So, you know, if I'm looking at my own dynasty ranks in that general vicinity, you're looking at like maybe the right trajectory would be a Trevor Rogers, you know, someone like that, like the Trevor Rogers, maybe how you value Joe Musgrove. I'm looking at a couple other guys, even Aaron Nola's in that range. If you want to get really bold, it's that Logan Gilbert, moves himself up into a top 50 asset because he's still young. A couple things that I really, really like about Logan, I mean, amongst many, many things, is uh, Sierra. So let's look at Sierra. Last year, he had, um, I think XFIP was over four. You know, he had okay results. Everything was okay with him. One of the most impressive things that stood out to me at that time when I early saw him was how he would command multiple pitches and his presence on the mound. Well, last year, he had a Sierra of three, I think I believe it was three, eight, seven, which would have put him inside the top 25 of qualified pitchers as far as leaders go in Sierra had he got there. He had a relatively like underwhelming CSW around 25%, but he had a high swinging percentage inside the zone. So what that actually kind of tells me is there's a pitcher who is really working hard to keep the ball inside the zone. Instead of you have a lot of pitchers just running wild and getting crazy walk rates, he's a high strikeout pitcher. And I think with another year under the belt, a really smart organization, he's going to be able to turn that really high in-zone strikeout rate into more outside the zone and more swing throughs. He's also one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. I've said this a couple of times. I've been out camp um, multiple times this year over at Mariners camp out here in Arizona. And I've never seen anything like it. Logan Gilbert is the last pitcher to leave the field every single day. But we're talking hours after pitchers have gone. He's He stays in the bullpen. He throws to these mannequin things with buckets there. He's always work. He's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. I think he's a four-plus pitcher, even though he threw two pitches, uh, double percentage of the time. Curve and change were under 10% thrown. I think that's going to change. I think strikeouts come up. I think he's going to pick up wins, and he's going to be a linchpin for the Mariners. So... We'll just stick to top 75 overall fantasy value, Logan Gilbert. That's my number one bold prediction. I like it, man. That Seattle team is going to be a lot of fun, both offensively and on the mound. So many good prospects already up or coming up in the next year or two. And I think Gilbert's going to be a big part of that. So I like it a lot. Let's go over to the other Chris. We got Chris 1 and Chris 2 on the show today. <laughs> Chris Clegg, what's your first Dynasty bold prediction, sir? Oh, well, I'm going to go bold and say that Byron Buxton stays healthy and is a 
first round talent this that year. That is bold. <laughs> that is yeah. very bold. That's yeah. not bold. That is going to happen. That is a guarantee. I guarantee Ooh. it with with Clegg. Nice. Okay, I like it. Well, it, it's probably bold to say he'll stay healthy. Not from the talent <laughs> level, though. The talent level is no doubt first round talent. We saw what he did last year in his age 27 season. He had 19 home runs and 254 plate appearances, stole nine bags, and hit 306. And what's he doing in the spring? He's absolutely dominating. He banged up against the wall trying to rob a home run and didn't get hurt. Love so it. it's it's the year. It's happening this year. You better buy in or you're going to miss out. So this is the year Byron Buxton stays healthy. He's just 28 years old. I think this is the year where he puts it all together. Gives us at least 550 plate appearances, has a first-round talent season, and we look at him as a first-round dynasty asset this time next year you know what i want to say to that too i want to say next year we value byron buxton over kyle tucker next year i like it you i'm gonna sit on that bite your tongue mr welsh i'm just saying i want i mean i almost said luis robert but i don't believe that but i (laughs) i believe a healthy byron buxton will be valued over Kyle. Now, the only problem is, is a couple years of extra. If they perform similarly, you're going to have Kyle Tucker in there. But there, you know, there's some stuff moving. If, if they really are going to bat Kyle Tucker at six, you never know. Um, with those fickle Astros, and if Byron Buxton stays healthy, if Byron Buxton stays healthy for 150 games, let's say he might he might push 35 20 this coming yeah. year. I mean, he's going to push yeah. up Acuna numbers. He will be a first round pick in 2023 if that happens, which I think inadvertently could push him above Kyle Tucker. So I'm I'm with I'm with the Clegg. I mean, I can see that, but then, you know, let, let's say that happens and then how many games does he play in 2023? Like, you know, 60 games and he's one of the biggest busts of the season. You that could also bite happen. your tongue, Eric. <laughs> no, you I could totally see tongue. I could yeah. totally see it. Obviously Buxton's one of the most talented players in the game, one of the most exciting players in the game. So I would love to see that personally. I, I want to see I want to see a full season of what he can do. Just to see like how I think we good all do. How good can Byron Buxton be? So, uh, absolutely love that. It's just not the Tucker part, but I will go. Uh, I'll go back to the pitching well here, and I'll say that uh, by the end of the season in dynasty rankings, Shane McClanahan is ranked higher than Julio Urias. Uh, not not a knock on Urias at all, but I just absolutely love McClanahan. I'm starting to call him Shane McNasty because he is absolutely nasty. You know, the four-seam slider, curveball, changeup, both those breaking balls are just electric, elite breaking balls. Both of them had a batting average against right around 200, a slugging against under 300, Woba under 250, and a whiff rate right around 40%. And I think that can go higher. And I wonder. I want to see if he uses those br- pitches even more. Combined, it was right around 51% last year. Four-seamer was around 41%, changeup around 8%. I want to see if he, you know, adjusts that a little bit more and starts throwing those breaking balls. You know, maybe 55, 60% of the time, cuts back the four seamer usage a little bit. Is that did get hit hard? You know, he averaged 96.4 on it, but 308 batting average against 500 slug, 378 Woba. Uh, but still, I think there's a chance that we're viewing him as a top 10 dynasty arm by this time next year. I don't think the Rays will limit him too, too much. I could see him going 170, 175, even 180 innings this year. And that could mean 240, 250 strikeouts. He could be a 30 plus percent K rate guy. He's shown solid you know, command as well. 7.2% walk rate last year, which is better than I thought he'd be when he's coming to the minor league. So it's going to work on the fastball a little bit there, but I think we're just going to see a huge, huge year from McClanahan. So I would say McClanahan top 10 dynasty arm and above 
Julio Arias by this time next year. Let's go back over to Mr. Welfs for your second one. All right. I like I, I like kind of like the idea of, of comparing guys against each other. So I'm going to do that with this one because I did struggle on wh- what was the piece of the bold prediction to this guy? How many different ways could I go? So here you go. It, at the end of this season, we will all comfortably be talking about Bryson Stott and how he is a better fantasy asset than Jazz Chisholm. That's what we're going to be doing at the end of this year. Bryson Stott in 2021 went not three levels. Yes, he did go three levels in baseball in the regular season. He went high A, double A, triple A, but he also went to the AFL. Not counting the AFL, he was able to put together 16 homers and 10 stolen bases in what I believe 112 games in the minor leagues. Now, in the AFL, you add on, uh, I believe he had three or four more stolen bases and two more homers. So now you're looking at almost almost a 2015 guy in still less than what I guess would have probably been equivalent to about 135 games in a minor league season. One of the more patient hitters I've seen in a long time. He absolutely explodes on the ball. In spring training, he's continuing the patience by walking more than he's striking out. Uh, Most of the projection systems hate him because they don't know how to value him. 236 batting average, I think, is silly in 79 games. We're talking about him outright winning the third base job. And he's just a better hitter than he's been giving credit for. He's not a big strikeout guy. He'll get on base. I'm telling you, he explodes on the ball. I could see a 2020 uh, season in here. I think the power is real. He could steal bases. I don't know how it's fully going to go because he was a slow starter in the AFL as well. But by end of season, I think we're going to look at, um, for both factors, we're going to look at Stott and his value and his success to maybe Jazz's you know volatility and say he's more valuable than Jazz. Though I could eat my words because Jazz is electric when he's on. And if, if he's on the whole season, Jazz is 30-30. But I don't think that's going to happen and stop more valuable than Jazz Chisholm in 2023. Man, I like that a lot. I, I had a feeling you were going to sneak it. Yeah, like, you know I was going to get a Stott, Stott one or, yeah. Stott or Prado or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I said like Stott looks tailor-made for like the number two spot in the order, which would mean he's going to be hitting in front of Harper and Castellanos Ridiculous. and Riamuto and Reese Hoskins and however they decide that, that lineup. But yeah, Stott. I love Stott, too. Yeah. Not as much as you, but I love Stott. Yeah, so we love him. We love him. So we can love him together. Yes, absolutely. I'll let you take the lead. I'll take some. I'll Thank be, you. Kyle, I'll be like your back. I'll be the Robin to your Batman in this Bryson Stott train here. So, yeah, we can all love these guys together. Listen, you, I mean, you came on my, on Prospect One, where I have a full prospect uh, prediction show, and you dropped this absolute love on Davis Sunday Los Santos, who I absolutely fell in love with this last year. We can love these guys together. So, yeah. we're a family. That, that's, that's our prospect child, Eric. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Mr. Clegg, what's your second one? All right. So I'm going to go out the West Coast and say Joe Adele is a top 50 dynasty player this year and valued above Tyler O'Neill. Ooh. So Adele has made major adjustments this offseason and they've paid dividends. They, You look what he's done this spring. He's hit three home runs. He's swiped three bags in 273. So the biggest thing with Adele is I am concerned about his batting average and OBP, but I think that Adele has enough contact skills and he's, we've seen enough improvement to say he's at least a 260 hitter. And I think there's easily 30 home runs in the profile. I don't think there's any doubting that, but I think we also see him still 15 bags. So he goes 30, 15 this year, a 260 average. 
the playing time's there now. I mean, Justin Upton's gone. No one is blocking him. He's going to get every bit of run he can. Also, just 22 years old, so it's easy to fade him off. I mean, everybody loved Joe Adele two years ago, and the struggles in the big league level were obviously noticeable, and people have completely fallen off the map with him. I think people are getting back in on him this after the spring, but I do think he really takes off this year. It's the year of Joe Adele, and we see him as a top 50 guy this time next year. I am not okay. even lying when I say my prediction, which will play right into this, was Brandon Marsh is a top 50 dynasty asset this time. <laughs> oh, wow. I am wow. not kidding. I, I almost <laughs> went Joe Adele, too. I, I literally I was like, oh, I was like, oh, maybe maybe Clay goes Adele. So, uh, yeah, Brandon Marsh. So that's how my prediction is the same thing for him as it is for Joe Adele with you, with you Clay. So that's kind of funny. And I swear to God, Chris and I did not talk about this. Can the Angels and- have three guys that are top, three outfielders that are top 50 overall fantasy prospects? Can they yeah. have that? I think they could. I think they absolutely could. Yeah, Marsh's rookie year last year, you look at the surface stats, you know, nothing blows you away. Nothing really impresses you. 254, 317, 356. But you look under the hood, 51.7% hard hit rate, 10.9% barrel rate. Did strike out a bit much, 35% K rate, but that was never really an issue for him in the minor leagues. Yeah, he was ever like a super low K rate guy, but I think he was around 22, 23%. First minor league career. He's got the sprint speed. He's always shown solid contact skills. Where I think this is a guy that could hit around like 270 or so, maybe even a little higher, like 270, give or take. Maybe some seasons up 275, 280. I think there's 20 homers in the bat. I think there's 25 steals uh, as well. I think he's, he's been a plus runner. 95th percentile sprint speed last year, did have six steals and 260 plate appearances. So He's always been a solid runner as well. And I saw him out in the Arizona Fall League 2019. It was very impressive. That power has really come along the last couple of years, which I always hoped it would. Like, he looked like a guy that could be a 30-homer bat. I don't think he ever gets there, but still kind of developing that power stroke. And we saw it last year with that hard hit rate and the barrel rate. So I think the all the ingredients are there. And he's got, you know, Joe Adele next to him kind of feeding into that. And obviously, you get to learn from Mike Trout, which is – who, else, who better to learn from and take in knowledge than from Mike Trout and watch him, how he goes about his business every single day. So it's not too think, shabby. Yeah, I think that can only help. And yeah, so we could be looking at three top 50 uh, outfield or overall players in the outfield for the Angels in Dynasty League. So I uh, definitely love that as well. All right, one more, Chris. What got do you it. got? All right, my last one is a prospect we actually haven't really seen in a whole long time. And I think a lot of people are kind of down on this guy. And a couple ways to put it, A, this guy is going to return to prospect form, B, depending if he graduates uh, or not, he can be seen as a top 15 overall prospect again, and C, between the minors and the majors, I'm going to round up, so I'm going bold here, he is going to have a 20 homer, 30 plus stolen base season as we celebrate the return of Royce Lewis to the 2022 season. Uh, there's some video out there. He's finally back and healthy again. He really had a big struggle in 2019. He then, uh, and as I had spoke to him, like, you know, injuries and everything got kind of set behind and he was really off kilter. AFL, he just dominated. He won MVP, played multiple positions, showed off his power again. Um, Then he got injured and he didn't get a chance to really show everything back off. I think he's going to get some time in the majors, obviously, because they made big major signings in there. Been working with Correa. Looks like the leg kick might even have come down a little bit. There's some video out there of some uh, minor league games that uh, minor league spring training games that he's been making some good contact. I'm a little 
wishy-washy on the power. I did round up. Um, that's why I said 20 to be bold and round up. I'm not really sure about that, but I feel very, very confident of saying 30 plus stolen bases between the minors and majors if he were to make the majors. And he's going to regain his prospect uh, value again because he can be a five tool player. He was a contact guy before anything else. He had one bad thing that kind of fell apart in the maturation process, but he represents so many great tools and he could play multiple positions, which is a really good value. So Royce Lewis regains the power, steals 30 plus bases this year, and we all rejoice and celebrate Royce Lewis. I like it. And people forget after that rough season he had 2019, he went out and won Arizona Fall League MVP award yep. honors. So he looked very impressive out there. I, I saw a lot of solid base hits from him. Second, uh, third, center field, made a diving uh, center yep. field catch, can play shortstop. He does all that. He, he really does it all. Absolutely. Love it. All right, Mr. Clegg, what's your final one? Oh, yeah, I kind of struggling with this one a little bit, but uh, I was debating between a couple. But I'm going to go to Milwaukee and talk about Willie Adamas. I think Willie Adamas is a top five dynasty shortstop this time next year. Wow. Ooh, top yeah, five. That may be extremely bold. But again, we, we've kind of, I've hammered this point home. You just look at what Adamas did on the road for his career, and it's exactly what he did in Milwaukee last year. He, he hit 300, he's on a 30 home run pace. Like, in my opinion, like this is what we see from him next year. I think or this year, I think we see him hit close to 280, and we see 30 plus bombs. I think he chips in five to ten bags. I think we're undervaluing him completely, and he's a great buy in redraft leagues. But Willie Adamas and his shortstop position is deep, so this may be extremely bold. But I was about to say Adamas or Lindor in dynasty. That's tough. I, Oh man! <laughs> yeah, I'll well, go with Always ask the tough. He did the same thing to yes. me on Prospect One. Yeah, he always asked the tough questions. They're in my brain, man, because that's a bold. I mean, that's a great bold one. But you're right; that position is so flush. So it's like something's got to go. So it's like, oh my god, Adamus over Tim Anderson, Adamus over Lindor. After that, it gets kind of long. Like you can make your arguments for him over like maybe Seager or Mondesi yeah. or Javi Baez or even Correa and stuff like that because of stolen bases. But that's a that's a bold prediction. And that means someone's got to go. So Adamus would be unseating one of those dudes. So that's yeah. a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely bold, but that's what this episode's all about. That's right. I will end with another kind of double, a dual player here. I will say Tristan Casas by this time next year is ranked higher. Actually, I don't know how bold this is, but I'm going to go with it anyways. Will be ranked higher than Cody Bellinger in dynasty rankings. Oh, man. A lot of people are still on the Bellinger bandwagon. I am not. I think, up. I think the arrow is going to keep going down here. He might be not even be top 200 by this time next year. And Costas, I think. So right now, I, I had Bellinger right around the top 100. He's already slid down my rankings since my last update. It's because he looks terrible this spring. Costas last year wasn't focused on hitting for power, and he still had 14 home runs and 371 plate appearances. With you know a super high walk rate, K rate below twenty percent. It was nineteen percent K rate, like a fifteen point two percent walk rate, and he was focusing on making contact, getting on base, doing all those things. And now you know you heard him over in the offseason say, "All right, now I'm going to ratchet up the power." And this guy has got easy, easy seventy grade raw. I've seen him take batting practice a number of times. He was last year in Double A Portland for three, four months. This guy has got some of the best raw power I've personally ever seen with my own two eyes. And, you know, I've said a lot about how right field can kind of suppress power 
you know, just be like for Benintendi and Verdugo, guys like that. But Cassis is one of those exceptions that I've mentioned, like like the David Ortiz's, the Mo Vaughn's, the Rafael Devers, et cetera, that have enough power to just blast it out of there past the bullpens, which are 380. So I think you'll see him turn up that power this year. He'll probably be up midseason. I can see him blasting, you know, 15, 20 home runs in half a season, cementing himself in the middle of that Red Sox line. A lot of RBIs, obviously, he'll be hitting like sixth behind Devers and Bogey and JD and, and everybody. So I think you'll see him skyrocket up rankings. Bellinger continue his free fall. And I think that's actually not even be close. I'll say Casas will be 50 spots ahead of Bellinger wow. in dynasty rankings. I'll make it a little more bold there. So bold baby. Yeah. That's going to wrap us up. Welsh man. Always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Hey, love you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Love doing bold predictions and totally love uh, us looking back and people reminding us about our bold predictions <laughs> next year. Love that the best, but you guys are the best. And thanks for having me. You know they will. <laughs> they will. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Chris Welsh is at Is It The Welsh. Chris Clegg is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider.